Hey everyone, this is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology. Happy Monday, everybody. Today we are going to preview Venus's retrograde in the sign of Capricorn, which is coming up later in the month of December. Now, this is one of the biggest transits of the year, so I wanted to just get out in front of it a little bit because Venus is starting to close in on the conjunction with Pluto, very slowly coming about, and it's going to be also losing its speed, meaning it's starting to gradually slow down. And um, this is one of the biggest transits of the year, and it might get lost in the shuffle a little bit toward the beginning of December because there's a big eclipse coming on the next new moon, which will be doing uh, a lot of uh, work to cover. But um, this is a good one to be aware of. I think this is arguably one of the bigger transits of the year. It's a Venus retrograde that happens to go retrograde right as it's in a conjunction with Pluto. So major stuff. Um, so we'll be taking a look at that today and just getting everybody ready for it. We're going to be covering this a, at least a few more times, you know, with um, looking, taking it through the houses and everything, but um, get it, just kind of preparing us for it today. And then we'll revisit it in December again. So before I do that, I want to remind everybody that I am in the midst of my Kickstarter campaign, the last 40 days or so of the calendar year. I go into a period of um, reflection on all of the lessons and insights gained from another year of working and doing daily horoscopes for all of you. And during this time, I also go into prayer and just try to refine my focus for the year ahead and doing this all over again. Uh, during this time, we're trying to raise as much money as we can from your donations to support uh, this channel and my work. Uh, we always, our goal is to beat our backer total from the previous year. Last year, we had about 1,366 backers. So we're trying to get to 1,367 if we can, or, or more. Um, right now, we are at 241 backers. So we still have a long ways to go. I really appreciate your support if you've already pitched in. And if you haven't yet, remember that when you do pitch in, uh, you can pick up a reward such as a, a video teaching you how to uh, do mantra meditation, an exclusive astrology of 2022 video that I'm not releasing anywhere else, creating a um, a lot of different, I create a lot of different exclusive lectures that you can look at. Also readings. I've got a year ahead horoscope reading for all 12 signs. Um, there's also a personalized reading. Those are limited. There's still about 70 or so personalized mini readings where I take a look at your birth chart and actually record something for you personally. And then 50% off all of my classes for 2022, which is easily the best deal that I offer as a way of saying thank you for supporting this channel. Um, so if you're thinking, hey, I want to study in one of Achuta's classes in 2022, they start in the spring or in the fall, or if you're in one of my classes and you want to take any of my advanced classes, you can take them. And if you bundle them together too, then uh, the price continues to go down. So it's a really good deal. Uh, we have a long way to go, 240 backers, 241 backers in. So we try to, you know, just keep a good pace every day. I really deeply appreciate your support. There's a lot of really good things that we do with the funds that we raise from this. I support a staff that helps me with this channel. So obviously support my family. We are building a community herbal medicine garden where my wife uh, harvests herbal medicine and gives it to people in the community for free. Um, we also uh, support donation uh, um, donation based or what am I saying uh, need based tuition scholarships for um, a huge amount of people to take my programs. We can do that every year because of the success of the Kickstarter because it takes away the need for you know a bottom line in that program. So 
really, really appreciate your support if you can pitch in and help. Um, if you like this channel, if you love this channel, you know, this is how um, this is how I, I earn a living as an astrologer. So I, I really appreciate it. Okay, so that being said, uh, the link to the Kickstarter is in the description of this video and in the comments section. If you click on it, it'll take you there and you can pick out a reward when you when you pitch in. So let's go to the real time clock and take a look. Here is the real time clock. And um, I want to just fast forward this a little bit and show you what's happening. First of all, it seemed appropriate to start talking about it because we have Venus now less than 10 degrees away from Pluto. And that is where Venus is heading to make its station and turn retrograde. So you can see here's Venus getting closer and closer to Pluto as we get into December. Um, so we're just going to keep going and you can follow these two planets right there and just see how close they're going to be for most of December. So you're getting Venus and Pluto right into a conjunction with one another right here by about December 11th. And in a way, this is really when it begins. You could say even earlier is uh, in December is when this begins because this Venus retrograde is really the story of Venus and Pluto. So let's watch how this evolves. So December 12th, you see now Venus is slowing down at this point and we're getting to just about the right here is just about the winter solstice right around December 19th and Venus is stationed and then is turning retrograde in the conjunction with Pluto less than a degree away by about the 20th and then is heading back through the conjunction with Pluto in the early stages of the retrograde. So you can see here's Venus going back through that's by about Christmas day um, and then it continues backward. Now, let's trace out the rest of the cycle. You can just follow Venus there. It's in the 11th house at the moment. And you'll notice that we're into January. And when Venus crosses the face of the sun, that's about January 8th into uh, the 9th, that is the rebirth moment for Venus, where Venus is flipping onto the other side of the sun and will now slowly start to emerge as a morning star. It takes a little while. But then we see Venus's retrograde going on and this goes this is late january now we're going to see venus station again by about january 28th and then the 29th into the 30th you see venus turn around and go direct again then venus is going to have to go back through all those degrees in capricorn at which point by the time that venus conjoins there's a nice um there's a nice venus mars conjunction you can see the two of them coming together uh, which is pretty interesting. You can see the two, here they are, like they're coming together in a triple conjunction with Pluto by March 1st, right? So it is a long period of time that Venus is now going to be in Capricorn. And here comes Venus across Pluto by March 3rd, and then finally conjoining with Mars as it crosses into Aquarius, right? So long dance and Venus and Mars, you know, the uh, quintessential masculine and feminine planets, the, the two lovers. So this is a long drawn out process that we are just starting to get into. And it's going to intensify really quickly. Now, by the time you get to, I would try, I would trace it out to 
about December 4th, which is the, the new moon solar eclipse, the beginning of the next new moon cycle. We are not that far away from that right now. Um, as soon as we get there, then you've got Venus in the engagement range with Pluto. And at the same time, um, that that's happening. We've got an eclipse coming through. So December 4th to me is sort of what I would call the beginning of this whole cycle. And you can see how long Venus spends in Capricorn dancing around with Pluto and eventually with Mars and Pluto together. So there's a long, slow burn that's happening around this transit. I wanted to, we're going to visit this from, we have to, we have to visit this a number of times to really deepen our meditation on this astrological event and really understand it. So I have a number of things ready to go today, uh, which is, first of all, I wanted to just show you the astrology of it on the real-time clock. Next, I want to talk about some of the significations of Venus with Pluto, as well as Venus retrogrades in general. So we'll, we'll start with Venus retrogrades in general. When Venus is changing from an evening star to a morning star, Venus's nature is changing in a fundamental way. Usually the change of from moving from evening to morning for Venus moves Venus from a more yin expression to a more yang expression, which unfortunately can mean that Venus retrogrades signal um, periods of conflict, uh, dis-ease, social unrest, uh, social, romantic, relational provocation. Um, Venus retrogrades can signal that, um, you know, Venus is, is moving into the morning star position can be like a herald of war, basically. If you think back to the last time that Venus was retrograde, it was around the <clears throat> June of 2020. And it was around that time that the um, protests in the United States emerged after George Floyd was killed. And that was a huge period of social and civic unrest. So it is not uncommon when you see, and I'm not saying something like that is going to happen again. We, we know that, that that something on that scale doesn't happen necessarily every single time that Venus turns retrograde. But it was a good example for a few different reasons. One is that when Venus turns retrograde and goes into the morning star position, there, it, there tends to an, an exploration of the shadows of our relationships, whether they're social and cultural or interpersonal tends to reveal, they tend to reveal themselves. Um, so for that reason, it's, Venus just has a little bit of the, um, I always think that one way you can understand Venus turning retrograde, moving into that morning star position is a bit like Venus being an Aries, that there's just, a little bit more of the need to assert oneself or power dynamics or differentials or struggles or um, questions about dominance and submiss submission. Um, those kinds of tensions come into play during Venus retrogrades uh, a lot more than, than you, know, you would expect from a Venus transit, right? And so it becomes really important to understand the house position of Venus in your birth chart. Where is Venus creating this transformation? And the, honestly, the overall process of Venus going through its retrogradation and so forth can be very positive. Um, by looking at these kinds of tensions, our relationships often, you know, sort of level up. 
they can evolve and grow and become more mature. We can go deeper. We can uncover new levels of intimacy, but there's, there almost has to be a willingness to, um, to look at, uh, things that are controversial or challenging. Let's call them blocks to harmony. Because if Venus is the ultimate harmonizer of the planets, the one who's trying to take unlike things and somehow, you know, make them coordinate them to, to, so that they can work together, like a really good decorator that looks at a bunch of stuff in a room and says, I, on the surface, it doesn't look like these things should work together. But if I arrange them in just the right way, they all do. That's the, um, that's the, that's the uh, gift of a good, you know, uh, I would imagine like a good uh, designer. Well, um, in a sense, Venus is, is the designer and is going to take some unlike parts and rearrange them. But there, along the way, there can be tension and struggles because of that. So now it's different, though, based on everybody's birth chart, because it's not that romantic relationships are necessarily going to be the focus just because it's Venus. If Venus is, for example, in your ninth house, uh, retrograding, there could be ideological, political, spiritual, philosophical, or religious tensions, uh, tensions in some kind of classroom setting in, um, let's say, your uh, um, university that you're attending, right? So if it's in the 10th place, maybe it's something happening in the work environment, um, right? So, you know, if it's, uh, if it's in the third house, it could be with a sibling. If it's in the fourth house, maybe something's going on around home and family. So Venus's retrograde doesn't purely indicate that everyone's romantic relationships are going to be up for some kind of review. If it was in your seventh house, maybe a little bit more likely. But then also, um, interesting thing about Venus retrogrades is certain kinds of conflicts from the past or certain kinds of relationships from the past can also come back or be um, up for review somehow. So these are some of the things initially that I would just want everybody to prepare for. And one of the things that we'll be doing in the month of December, we'll be taking Venus through the houses so that everyone's ready for what that might entail. But you can get it, you can get a head start by just looking at what house Capricorn occupies from a whole sign perspective in your chart. And and there you go. I wanted to read you guys a passage today. Um, this passage comes from, uh, you know, one of my favorite cookbooks, The Archetypal Universe by Ren Butler. He has a nice section on Venus Pluto. I'm going to read you a few uh, se uh, sections. He talks in one part about nature and the arts and Venus Pluto and nature and the arts. He says, deeply beautiful nature, sexuality as a force of cosmic dimensions, Organisms that kill their mates or die after copulation. In the arts, primal and powerful art, Dionysian art and music, intense and profound harmonies, titanic music, the torments of art, cinema, themes of passion, seduction, prostitution, pornography, wild energies, obsession, betrayal, or rape. Comedy of endearing badness, love gone bad, scatology, Thespians who excel in themes of primal, forbidden, dangerous, or fated love, as well as passionate, sultry, uh, uh, femme fatale characters, actors with a smoldering appeal, seductive minxes, great lovers, talks about archetypes and spirituality, eros and thanatos, beauty and the beast, uh, desire and death, love as a cosmic force, shakti energy, the lotus as symbol of the sexual power of the feminine principle, 
sacred temple prostitutes of the matriarchal era who taught sexual mysticism, tantra, right? So he goes on. Shadow qualities, overbearing sweetness or friendliness, a manipulatively yin style, passive forms of aggression, a pushy or obnoxious aesthetic, a love of power, power infatuation, urges to control one's friends and loved ones, intense projections, damaging one's friendships, romantic obsessions, dangerous or forbidden love, harmful temptations, sexual addictions, throwaway relationships, urges to use sex or beauty for ulterior, ulterior purposes, a habit of destroying what one loves, loving what is lost or dead, the shadow side of beauty, the challenging side of being too beautiful, feelings of jealousy or possessiveness, a sense of betrayal, love is a fire. Some good ones in there, right? I, I love his, he, he strings together adjectives in only the way that people who come from the Tarnas school of thought can do. The, um, if you've ever read Cosmos and Psyche, you should recognize that those long strings of adjectives, uh, very similar to Richard Tarnas in his book, Cosmos and Psyche. And I really resonate with it. It's, um, it's, it's beautiful to see this just kind of flowering mandala of words that can be used to get into an archetypal combination. So at any rate, um, the simple point being that Venus, when it gets together with Pluto, as well as going through this shift into the morning star position brings a level of catharsis and transformation that is pretty profound. Now, one thing that I noticed students, my own students doing, students of astrology in general doing something that I did early on in my career was to think that Pluto's intense transformation meant that it was a blowout one-time event, like some big thing that would happen, some big uh, event that would, you know, like nuclear. And, um, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, and he said something that I really liked. He said, you know, when I think of transformation um, uh, earlier in life, when I was young, it might have been more like that, like a singular event that was like just a bomb going off. But as I've aged, what I come to realize is that transformation is, let's say that you hang out with someone, you know, every few days. Um, well, let's say you do that for three months. And let's say during that three months, you know, they're working out every day or something like that. You're not going to notice the change in them if you're hanging out with them every three days. But if you were to look at a picture of them at the first day that you hung out and then three months later at the end when they're, they had worked out every day for three months, then you might notice the change. Or maybe sometime, you know, two months in, you might go, I think you're looking a little bit different. So for most of us, that's how transformation occurs. It is an accumulative process. It's not something that happens all at once. So when we talk about this and, oh, it's so intense and Venus conjoined with Pluto. And yeah, there might be, I would say, some acute events while Venus is conjoined with Pluto. Not, I would not be surprised by that in my life or you know, just in the lives of my clients. But overall, when we say that there's a transformative uh, you know, kind of cathartic um, element to this Venus retrograde because of Pluto, we're really talking about what's going to happen between now and, you know, March. So being able to measure that requires that we have some reflective distance. So you keeping a journal is a really good idea, um, especially once you can locate which house topics are being activated. You know, in my own chart, the ninth house is being activated because I have Capricorn in the ninth. So I anticipate questions about um, the, the Venus dimension of life, as well as the religious, spiritual, academic side of life. I anticipate that those 
areas will come into focus. So at any rate, um, Venus and um, Venus and Pluto are could deliver some acute events, especially right around the solstice, right as Venus is turning retrograde, right around Christmas. Um, but I would say that the transformation that we're all probably going to experience due to this retrograde will be something that you can't measure based on an event. It's something that's process oriented that you'll notice between now and then, which is also why it's important to talk about it in advance and not just focus on it as an acute event. So at any rate, um, the other thing to note with Venus and Pluto is the need to visit things that are dark or taboo or superstitious or things that lie or lurk in the unconscious. So for there to be things coming up for us to see that maybe we haven't been able to see or to address things that we haven't been able to address to get underneath the surface uh, in some area of our life. Again, I would look at the house location. That is going to be the, um, the work of this. So when I think about Pluto, one of the things I think about is sort of like an archaeology of the unconscious. It's digging stuff up that's, um, that's in there already. It's not something, you know, it's not like Uranus or there's something sort of brand new and fast and flashy that appears out of nowhere and disrupts the status quo. Pluto is like pulling things, uh, you know, out from, you know, underneath the cushions of your couch. It's pulling back the refrigerator from the wall and sweeping out behind it. You know, I'll never forget when Pluto was conjoined to my natal moon, um, my father came and visited with, uh, with us in, I was living in Maryland at the time. My dad came and visited and thank you for your prayers, by the way. He's, uh, last I talked to him, he was feeling a little bit better but still uh, feels like a you know freight train hit him from COVID right now. So your prayers super appreciated. But he came and visited, and um, basically uh, I had gotten us tickets to go see a play that was called Pluto. Like I think I'm pretty sure the name of it was just Pluto. And I thought you know well this ought to be fun because Pluto's going to be on my moon while my father is visiting. So while my father was visiting. Uh, just like a day or two before he got there, behind the refrigerator in our kitchen, uh, a pipe burst in the wall or like burst or started leaking. And it was leaking sewage. It was like a, a sewage pipe running through the wall or something like that. So it was ultra yucky. And we had the wall opened up and the refrigerator pulled back. So that's a little backstory. Okay. So it was very Plutonian already. Then my dad comes, <clears throat> we go and see this play. Pluto. And in the play, um, there, it was a story about a boy living with his mom and the father was no longer in his life for one reason or another. And he was really angry and, and really struggling. And at number of times during the play, as the drama was mounting and the son was trying to cope with the demons of his father and his mother was there trying to like help him figure it out they'd be talking in the kitchen. And <clears throat> basically what would happen is the refrigerator on the stage, on the stage in the kitchen would start to glow red and shake. And every time uh, what started happening was the door would open and the mythical Pluto would be trying to crawl out of the refrigerator into the kitchen to address this boy 
and his mother who are trying to deal with this absent or violent or you know drunk father or something like that and so it was really surreal for me to be sitting there watching Pluto trying to crawl out of a refrigerator into a family dealing with this topic of the father while my father was visiting and we had the refrigerator pulled out in my kitchen because there was a, a like a sewage pipe burst in the wall how crazy is that right but then this gets even crazier right so then after that play the next day um we came to find out that you know my my um my father was talking on the phone with someone. We didn't know who it was. And we came, uh, came to find out that he was talking to uh, another woman that he was seeing. And, um, and of course, found out that my parents were going to get a divorce. So we f found out in the weirdest way that my father was seeing someone else and that he and my mother were getting a divorce. That news all came pouring out uh, while my father was visiting. We saw the Pluto play and the refrigerator in the kitchen was uh, being away from the wall, being taken out to fix this sewage burst in the pipes. Isn't that crazy? So um, now that was an acute, those were like acute events, right? That was Pluto conjoined the moon in my natal chart, slow moving transit. But the, that one, while that was an acute event, during the Pluto transit overall to the moon in my chart, for example, um, my parents got divorced, but I got married. So that theme of uh, death and rebirth, regeneration and loss um, was, was there. Um, and then, you know, uh, my first daughter was born as well during Pluto on the moon and we bought our first home, uh, moved out of an apartment uh, as my wife was pregnant and got our first house. So that, that theme of like death and rebirth was, and it was painful throughout because I'm, I'm getting married, but I'm losing my family at the same time. So it was a deep, complicated process and a lot of healing that happened during that time, of course, but a lot of um, uncovering of family secrets and shadows. So that's the kind of work that Pluto tends to, to do for us. Uh, and with Venus, it's into the realm of sexuality friendships, relationships, who, where, and when are we trying to keep the harmony or peace within our lives? And that can be, um, it can be a challenging thing when Venus is shifting to the morning star because it's shift to the morning star takes Venus into the underworld. It is an underworld transformation that brings things up that provokes certain kinds of conflicts that, um, looks at power differentials, but then on top of it, we're amplifying all of that by conjoining it with the Lord of the underworld, Pluto. So big transit coming up, and I encourage everybody to just look at it and be aware of where it's happening. Um, I'm going to go run, I'm not going to do a deep treatment, but I think what I'll do just today, just to get people like a primer for this, is let's just take it through the 12 houses and I'll give like little tiny keywords you know, just to reminders for people who, some, most of you probably know this already, but this is just for people who don't. So if you're an Aries rising, it lands in your career house, right? So you're going to look for that. If you're a Taurus rising, it lands in the ninth house associated with beliefs, religion, spirituality, travel. Um, if, you're, if you're a Gemini rising, then it lands in your eighth house, a place where we have debts to other people. Other people have them to us. 
a lot of deep karmic contracts, you might say, in that house. It's also a place that's associated with death and loss and fear and worry and um, sometimes overcoming those things. All right. If you're a cancer rising, then it is definitely happening in your marriage house, in your house of intimate relationships. Sexuality was a part of that house traditionally. So if you're a Leo rising, then it's going to be placed in the sixth house, a place that was associated with hard work, but also sickness and uh, some form of selfless sacrifice. So that's an, a very interesting place for that to be happening if you're a Leo. I think Leos have one of the more interesting placements for this um, this transit, just because you know it's a very unusual place to have a Venus retrograde. Um, anyway, Virgo on the ascendant places Venus into the fifth house with Pluto. That is a place that has to do with pleasure, joy, recreation, creativity, also children and pregnancy. All right, if you're a Libra rising, then we're taking this, we're putting it into the fourth house of home and family. So if you're a Libra rising, you're looking at issues around home, family, living environment, if you're a Scorpio rising, then we're taking this and putting it in the third house, place that's related to the mind and the environment around you, and uh, sometimes siblings too. But I like to especially think of your mental and emotional environment around you and the, um, the way that it has an impact on your day-to-day -day living. If you go forward again to Sagittarius on the Ascendant, then we're putting it into your financial house, house two. So changes around money, earning power, business, things like that. Uh, if you're a Capricorn, then we're putting this into your first house, which can have to do with your health, your physical appearance and body, or your sense of character and um, uh, psychology, personality. Also, if we move to Aquarius rising, another Saturn ruled sign, we're taking Venus and Pluto and putting them in the 12th house. This may be one of the more challenging ones, honestly, because you're looking at the place that's associated with our shadows, the things that we don't see that tend to undermine us. Uh, the things that imprison us, the things that uh, can create a little bit of uh, isolation or even that sort of dark night of the soul feeling. So a little bit of a challenging one for Aquarians, but lots of, lot of things that are learned out of the 12th house always. And then finally, if you're a Pisces rising, we're putting this into the 11th house, which is a place of friends and groups. Uh, so looking at changes around the social life, colleagues, groups of people, et cetera. So I just want, I thought we'd just go through that quickly to give you, a, you know, like a, just a little bit, prime the pump, just a little bit uh, before we, you know, take some deeper dives in the month of December. Anyway, I hope that you guys enjoy this preview today, just getting you ready for it because it's a process, not just a one-off event. And the process is something that begins as soon as we start, begins more, the more that we start processing it consciously. Uh, so that's what I've got for today. Don't forget, we're at 241 backers. and hope we can get to 300 in the next day or two. But we got to keep the, keep the momentum going as best we can between now and the end of the year. So we're doing this fundraiser every day till the end of the year. Um, if you love this, if you like my videos, if you share them, if you subscribe to the channel, if this is a source of daily spiritual nourishment for you, then I uh, ask you consider donating and supporting the channel in the year ahead. Uh, for me and my family and my staff, we all deeply appreciate it. And pick out a reward when you do. Come study one of my programs for uh, half off or something like that. All right, that's what I've got for today. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.